Entre Culturas, Between Cultures. Thank you for coming and being part of this. Um, I would like to have you say who you are. And um, this project is mainly to explore different people who have different backgrounds and um, have other people listen to these stories and have a perspective on different cultures and understand a little bit more where where people come from um, and how people may struggle, may not struggle, and what it is to have more than one culture and how that um, how how it is for you in your life um, to live between cultures. So who are you? <laughs> <laughs> My name is uh, Zandi Yenches. Um, culturally, I would say I identify as Indihina, but I am Abenaki Pawatami Wampanoag. I am also Mexican, Spanish, and Black Irish. So those would be the cultures that I come from. Um, I would say that being multicultural, I've had this feeling since I was a child of literally walking between two worlds that I live in between these two worlds. Mm -hmm. And um, so your name is Zandi. Is that what you like to be called? It, is that your official name? How It's my nickname. Um, my birth name would be Alexandra. And I was named after Alexander the Great, even though I'm not Greek culturally at all. Um, my mother was reading the book about Alexander the Great while she was pregnant with me. So my birth given name is Alexandra Yenches. Oh, okay. I did not know that. <laughs> um, so you would, you said all those different cultures that, or backgrounds that you have heritage. Um, can you talk a little bit more about um, what that heritage means for you and how what you have like assimilated from those cultures and, and made them part of who you are? Um, so we used to go to Mexico every summer um, when I was little. And we would stay with my aunt and uncle and sleep on a dirt floor and barbecue and make tortillas. And so those types of cultural events um, as a child, I think really shaped my ability to be humble, also to be able to cook, um, so many different things. I think being Irish, specifically black Irish, um, my mother came from a very large family as well. And so we would oftentimes celebrate all the Irish holidays. So St. Patrick's Day, we really um, celebrated that in a traditional way and made traditional Irish food, corned beef and hash, and cabbage, and sat around um, telling stories. My okay. great aunt and uncle. Um, and I would say that that was super rich. And so whereas a lot of, I think, European friends that I had identified as being white, mm -hmm. like I never knew what that really meant because I identified as being Irish mm -hmm. and that I was really tied to that culturally as well. When you talk about Black Irish, just to clarify, can you explain what that term means? Oh, for because sure. Because some people may not know what a so, Black Irish is. Black Irish, those would be the indigenous people of Ireland. So... Before um, 
the English came with Scottish servants. Um, there were people that were living in Ireland that were darker skin, darker hair. Um, and so they were persecuted as well when Christians came and colonized their island. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what they're referring to. And they were a mixture, I think, of people that were even from North Africa as mm-hmm. well, like Moorish blood. Um, so, yeah, I guess that would be... Yeah. Um, so it definitely sounds like you are a mix of different things. Can you talk a little bit about your um, your tribe, your indigenous? Um, is it one tribe or is it more than one tribe? It's one tribe. So the, the term, the overhead term would be Abenaki, but the banding itself is Wampanoag. So the Wampanoag people... Um, were the first people to have contact with settlers. Um, and so the story of Thanksgiving <clears throat> is actually the story of my grandmother's people. And so they are located in the eastern United States, so close to the Mohawk Onondaga Territory in New York, Maine, and then all the way down as far south as Vermont. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can talk about the ceremonies yeah. there, yeah, too. Yeah. So, like, we study the medicine wheel. And so that's honoring all peoples of the earth, um, every direction, north, south, west, east. And we pray in each of these directions. Each direction also have their own set of plants, their own set of medicines, wind, sun, elements as well. And so each year, each um, season is kind of marked by different parts of the medicine wheel. Um, Also, the Wampanoag people, we have a blueberry ceremony. A blueberry ceremony? Yeah, so they're also called starberries, and so they're really small. Um, We go around picking them, and we eat them, and they're also used for divination. So an elder, when they're dried, they can, in the ceremony, like they have you eat one and actually spit it back out. And she can, or he can know, like, where you come from, like, your family. Mm-hmm. So this Weird. is, yeah, this is the <laughs> thing that happens. Um, we also have dances, songs. Um, so the jingle dress dance that originates um, in the northeast where my grandmother's people are from. And I do the dance for you. It's a little um, embarrassing for me. And the, the regalia is really beautiful. Um, it's marked by these little... What's a regalia? Regalia is, I would say it's clothing that is typical to what band of what tribe and what area you're from. Okay. Um, And so that can be like ribbons, skirts, the jingle dress, which is a really beautiful dress characterized by ribbons and silver or brass um, inlets throughout that make a noise as they dance. Um, Also, the other culture that I'm from in Mexico, we have huipil. We have things where uh, the embroidery and depending on what part of the country or what tribe you're from, they'll know just by looking at your riboso. Yeah. So. So you're, I wouldn't even say bicultural, you're like tricultural, quadruple cultural, I don't know how you (laughs) call that term. Um, 
Can you talk a little bit about what benefits you think that that, that has? Maybe the benefits, but also um, maybe struggles that you can find too, sometimes maybe navigating that identity that some people may give you a hard time for. <laughs> oh, for sure. I would say the benefits um, oh, are so many. Um, I think that I, because... I do know some parts of my language, my indigenous language. So Wali Wani is thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's like, hello, I greet you from the heart. I also speak Spanish. I speak English. I speak French. So when you're Métis, you also speak French. And so it's helped me just communicate with a greater group of people, I think, in that I'm kind of ethnically or culturally ambiguous for a lot of people. It's made it easier for them to accept me, maybe in not knowing Mm -hmm. what my culture is, that maybe I even belong with them. Mm -hmm. So I've experienced that and it's been really beautiful. Um, I've also experienced being a white passing person of color and not being welcomed into spaces because I had light skin. Um, I've been challenged on my heritage. I think growing up and wanting to find a place and wanting to fit in specifically somewhere kind of around high school time, because that's Mm -hmm. when people are like super grouping into identity and cohort, that I didn't have like a set group. And so it was like, well, how Native are you? How Mexican are you? You don't really belong here. Your mother's Irish. Mm -hmm. Um, And then conversely with white people or people of European descent, I wasn't always welcome there either. Mm-hmm. Um, I was referred to as br- a brown girl. I've um, been witness to racial slurs also when people don't know that I'm a person of color. I also have an African-American grandfather. So, you know, I've been really privy to things that are kind of ugly yeah. in society because of that. So in that case, you you would, my understanding um is that that type of thing can happen within um, all cultures or all people of any place of origin. Absolutely. Um, and, And it's, I think, not being specifically like having just one identity mm-hmm. that people try to classify you and they can't quite classify you because they can't. <laughs> and then they it's it's almost harder for them to to not know exactly what you are and then they kind of put it on you. Yeah. As like their own, I don't know, misunderstanding. People project a lot of their ignorance Mm -hmm. onto me. Um, I don't, my dog doesn't live with me anymore, but I used to go to the dog park a lot over the Ohlone Parkway over near Mm -hmm. university. And several times I had people of European descent go, well, you don't look native to me Mm -hmm. and, and make fun of me and say, are you really Indian? And I said, that's a, racial sir please don't refer to me as Indian mm-hmm. yeah so yeah. and even in Berkeley you're like this is supposed to be this really conscious multicultural place and still people project their ignorance and insecurities you know when they don't know and it's like mm-hmm. that's not my responsibility mm-hmm. to educate 100% but I try yeah if I can yeah <laughs> it, it, it's a challenge um it's very interesting because um those people who I have interviewed so far are people who don't fit in a box they're not just one thing um and 
I think everyone so far has has mentioned that challenge of like not being able to identify just with one specific group um, and how that commonality can be can be hard. Um, so I asked you to bring something if you wanted to. Would I you did. Would you like to share a little bit? Um, I would. I brought two things. I brought a medicine pouch. This is actually Azteca. So this is from my Mexican heritage. And this is a pouch. Um, And I currently just have the tip that fell off from my other eagle feather (laughs) inside of it. And the other object that I brought is a wingtip eagle feather that was gifted to me by a medicine person. Um, And they actually found this feather while they were in prayer Um, and really, really heavy in prayer kind of about like healing and the future of our society at large. And she looked over and found this really beautiful wingtip of a golden eagle. And um, she, when she found it, she said that she felt that this was actually for me specifically. And so she brought this back um, and gifted it to me. And so I use this that's to you. pray. And that's an eagle feather? Yes, this is an eagle feather. Um, this is a registered feather. Um, so people who are not a registered <laughs> tribal member or are not indigenous are actually not allowed to have eagle feathers. Okay. Um, and so this is something that if you basically aren't a registered tribal member you cannot have this it's illegal you can be fined you can have it taken away from you it's yeah it's like a big deal um because they it's a cultural item it's specific to um indigenous people of this land Mm -hmm. um and we don't want people going around and harvesting Mm -hmm. um eagle feathers or killing eagles Mm -hmm. so that's the intention behind it um, Do you know who, when that law passed or how or at all? I don't. Not that you have to, but I'm just no, I, I did take, actually, um, because I wanted to know more about the 500 plus tribes of the country, not just my own people. So I took um, a Native American history class at BCC, and they did talk about that. Um, but I'm not 100% sure on the date. I know that it was passed relatively recently probably in the 1950s or 60s so it's pretty recent because we just got our cultural rights in the 20s to practice ceremonies so our sacraments like peyote mescaline and things like that and our prayers Mm -hmm. we were just given the right for religious freedom in 1920s so in this century Mm -hmm. we've just been given that ability so my assumption Mm -hmm. could be totally wrong (laughs) But that it would be um, a little bit later. And then you have um, you you have some some plants or some yeah. So <laughs> I have some medicines that are surrounding it. Um, so I don't just leave this out. I actually protect it. My other feather that I have, um, I beaded a handle for it and made a box for it. Um, this one I have covered in cedar, which is a medicine representing the north, the northern direction. And so when we have sweat ceremony or when we do prayer, we oftentimes burn cedar. I don't know that this has a uh-huh. smell anymore because it's been sitting in there for oh, that smells really good. so long. I also have sweetgrass, um, 
which grows in the Great Lake region, which is another area um, where my grandmother's people spread into. Um, and so this sweet grass, you burn this also. I don't know if this has a smell. And we braid this together and we call it mother's braid. So it represents literally mother earth's hair. Mm-hmm. Um, also corn. So corn is another medicine. This is blue heirloom corn. Um, this is a traditional food mm-hmm. that also started out as a grass and that indigenous people all over central in North America have been cultivating for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. Um, so that It's an that. indigenous plant to this land. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And so they've actually, um, scientists have actually proven that we have a DNA connection with corn, indigenous people. So we actually kind of like have corn in our DNA, which is pretty cool. <laughs> um, and then the other plant I have in here is... White and coastal sage, so I have two varieties of Mm -hmm. sage plant. And so that's one that we definitely burn, and that's to cleanse the space. That can happen in sweat, in prayer, or just whenever you bring a new item into your home, you're cleansing it from outside energy. Mm -hmm. And uh, modern science has actually shown that there's a purpose behind this that sage has antimicrobial properties so when you're you know burning it on yourself or in your home or on these items you're like literally getting rid of germs so sandy knows her her stuff (laughs) pretty awesome yeah thank you thank you for sharing that um so i sweat would be um a sort of sauna right yeah absolutely. I, I actually learned that a couple of years ago um so i was i wasn't even familiar with like the the sweat um, can you can you oh just because of the sound <laughs> um can you talk really briefly what that what that looks like yes for those who may not know okay so there's two different styles of lodge i'll just talk about the one that i'm familiar with with okay. my grandmother's people so um It's essentially, um, they make it out of willow branches, bark, and then in modern times, they used to use hide. Now we use blankets. Um, We also use specific rocks. We use um, volcanic, and I'm blanking on the other types. So these rocks are found Mm -hmm. by someone that's involved in preparing the sweat, usually a medicine person. And so they bring the rocks, they create that in the center of the lodge like within it um and that's how the fire starts is with these rocks and then water is poured poured over the rocks and the coals throughout um songs are sung so there's usually like four to five rounds so that you can purify your body and so even when you go to like a european sauna that's kind of like the um I guess, the goal. So in a native sweat, it's the same thing. Like you're going in there for purification physically, mentally, and spiritually. So the songs are the spiritual element. Um, I'll sing you a silly one. Yeah. So that's another thing that I do ask people. It's if you can, um, if you can sing a song. So this is a 49er song. This is really silly. It's, it's a, it is actually a very silly song, but maybe I can make someone laugh when they're listening to or watching the documentary. So it goes, um, Minnie Mouse, Mickey Mouse, Pluto too. 
We're all living in Disneyland. Minnie Mouse, Mickey Mouse, Pluto too. We're all living in Disneyland. Oh, so you would sing that? You would repeat those verses? Really? Wow. Yeah, <laughs> and then they have others. Um, so that's already like a mix of cultures right there yeah. too, right? So I know others that are private that uh-huh. we're not necessarily supposed sure. to okay. share. But um, but that's interesting how like Disney made mm-hmm. it there, huh? Yeah, so also I'll just share this super briefly. So within the 500 plus tribes, we have medicine people that are clowns. And uh, in the Lakota term, they call them Heyoka. And so the song Minnie Mouse, Mickey Mouse, and talking about Disney, they're talking about the juxtaposition mm-hmm. of these two worlds meeting and they're contrarian people. And so that's their medicine is exposing mm-hmm. truth. Nice. Yeah, and you can do that through song and ceremony. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, of course. And then, so we talked a little bit about, um, I think I would have one question, and this is like my personal um, question, because part of this, what I like, uh, or what I'm, my intent is to educate people to, Absolutely. about like all the cultures. Um, one is like, what the people identify with and what they can struggle in just their life and what they enjoy about being more, more, more than, I, I usually say bicultural, but like tricultural or, or any form of mixture. Um, but also um, educating people on, on the otherness, on people who are different than them and learning a little bit more about that. So I'm just curious um, with the pilgrims when they came, um, how is that um, story told within your tribe or like what, what's the truth, um, you know, of, of kids. Cause I, when I, when you told me about that, your family um, belonged to like that tribe, it was like, Oh, okay. So what story? It's a massacre. You know? So Thanksgiving mm-hmm. is not told as a, as a feast and a compassionate event it is taught as a massacre Mm -hmm. because in truth, that's actually what happened. Um, A lot of the settlers that came here were stricken with disease. They brought smallpox. They killed in the upwards of 40,000 people just of my grandmother's people alone. Mm -hmm. And that's just from contact. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when we were sharing in harvest, because that's the time of year that Thanksgiving takes place is we are actually harvesting all of our crops. And so we made the decision to actually share. Mm -hmm. And so we made the decision to share. And in making that decision, after we shared in our harvest, they actually killed everybody. So was there actually like... It was a massacre. Thanksgiving was a massacre. Mm -hmm. But was there an an eventful like uh, sitting down and eating everyone together? Like Mm -hmm. that is... Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, that is actually Uh true. So everybody sat because that's what happens. Mm -hmm. It went even... So the strawberry ceremony, the blueberry ceremony, all these things where we're harvesting and we're gathering. Uh Like my mother's European and she was even invited by the Pomo people to come and gather wild strawberries with Uh them. So we invite everybody. If you're a human being, because we believe in inclusion, really at the heart of our cultures Mm -hmm. for the most part. So it was like, oh, these people are suffering. Like, we're going to include them. Mm-hmm. And they literally killed the, the people, you yeah. know. And so that's how the story is told. 
Mm-hmm. Is that Thanksgiving was a massacre and that they brought disease with them and that we still pray for them and we pray for their healing and that they yeah. can wake up. That it wasn't a, a humble um, uh, a humble event no. on their side. No, the, not at all. Not side. at all. They were yeah. sitting there with guns eating. It mm-hmm. was not like like we obviously felt threatened, but like if you go to the res, like there's so much poverty. People don't have anything, even here in California, and they still will welcome. Res is reservation. Yeah, and they will still come and welcome you Yeah, during harvest time because that's just the way. That's yeah. the whole intention. Yeah, it seems like it's a very um, kind and and very thoughtful uh, tribe. Yeah. At least the, what, what you're telling me from yeah. this for sure. Um, thank you for, for sharing that. Yeah, I know that there is a misconception too and and how who best to tell that than somebody who is actually from there. Yeah, absolutely. So, um how about um do you wanna explore talk a little bit more about your other culture? <laughs> yeah, we can. I don't I don't know where to start because there's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um so we, I, I think maybe like we have 10 more minutes that I would want so okay. that it's not super long. But yeah, I would like to explore a little bit of, of what, I don't know, your identity with all of that and, and what you like about your other cultures. Um, I think even within being part Mexican, like it, there's still the indígena element. Mm-hmm. So like I would participate in um, Chicano activism when I was in college. Um I was participating in Danzante, which is traditional Aztec and Zapotec dance and wearing. Um, so we have different birds that we use for that regalia. So it's predominantly like pheasant mm-hmm. feathers. I didn't bring any of those with me today, but I have a few. Um, and so that's really beautiful, too. There's a lot of songs and ceremony around that and using the conch shell to open the ceremony. We also honor the four directions and all people. Um, a really close friend of mine, Mazat Sin, he's the one who, I guess, translated. He's the elder who translated the Aztec calendar. And so the largest Aztec calendar representation in North America that's at CCSF in the mission, okay. he was part of creating that. My uh-huh. homie, Mazat Sin, which means little deer oh. in, <laughs> in Purpecha. Um and so that was really lovely. I really loved participating in that aspect of my culture as well. But I think within, unfortunately, a lot of activist circles, there's good and bad. And so people were showing up with a lot of their dysfunction, which I didn't really care for. So I had to exit stage left on that situation as well. But yeah. So does it become kind of um, harmful sometimes of like what's there's a lot of misogyny there's a lot of misogyny and i think when you're uh the bay area has the largest concentration of indigenous people actually anywhere in north america um we have the largest population here but we're not all from the same tribe so i think when you're having like these activist circles and trying to get things accomplished and you're dealing with so many different identities and cultures that want different things it can make it really challenging like there's a university 
It's called Deguenadewa Quetzalcoatl University. It's in Winters, California, near Sacramento. So it's the only tribal college not on reservation land. Mm -hmm. And so you have a lot of, like, conflict between the Chicano community and the indigenous, the local Ohlone um, and Wintu indigenous communities Mm -hmm. because the Aztec people believe this is also part of Aztlan and part of Mexico. And then you have the Wintu people that are like, no, this is our, our land. Mm -hmm. And so you deal with a lot of that, but it's beautiful Mm -hmm. still to be a part of. And then um, being Irish is really cool too. Being Irish is really cool too. What what do you like about They're really hearty. And I think there's a lot of misconception about them being alcoholics and like angry, but there's a lot of gentleness and a lot of oral stories and things that are extremely similar to being Mexican and being indigenous. Yeah. And and the songs too, right? They're pretty like um, emotional too. And, yeah. And profound. And I think that was one of the things my mom said of why you know, she had married my father or was connected to him was that culturally there were so many similarities, mm-hmm. you know, between being Mexican, indigenous and being Irish. Yeah, there, I think there's more that brings people together mm-hmm. or like that commonality. Um, what else? What else? Let's see. Um, so has it, Have we've talked briefly about this, but um, has it, been hard for you at some point um having to i'd say even fight with someone um because they're like you're not enough of this yes and and you're not this or like you can't own this um yes yes i've experienced that academically so i've experienced that actually when i took the native american history class and oftentimes when i would get up to speak and there would be people that were darker skin than myself and they would try to quiet me. And most of the time I think I would back down because I would say, you know, I do have lighter skin and I am not sure what your experience is but like. I'm still this yeah. So I mean I'm I'm okay within my identity, mm-hmm. but I like there would be conflict oftentimes and I would just have to, I don't know what the word is in English, but basically just um, humble myself to whatever their experience was yeah you know that maybe their experience deserved more of a voice than mine Mm -hmm. or that was kind of like what was happening Mm -hmm. um and then when I did want to do traditional dancing that I received a lot of lashback like people did not want me coming and dancing at powwows Mm -hmm. because they felt that being a quarter to 50 percent like being a quarter like that's not enough so sometimes within um like you don't have enough blood quantum yeah. to be here. Uh-huh. So I have heard that um, in some, I don't know if it would apply to all tribes because each tribe probably has their own yes, um, rules and their own. Um, but I have heard that um, they don't like, they don't like a lot of mixing, which also no. can happen with other cultures. I mean, other, other race, other races. Sorry. Yeah. Um, that they kind of want a purity mm-hmm, to be, absolutely. to like carry on the lineage. And a lot um, of my friends who are African-American and indigenous, like they face the same problems that I do. And we talk about it a lot. Like they're not literally not welcome because mm-hmm. they're mixed. Yeah. And because they feel that like their look is more a representation either of a European or of an African-American person. Yeah. And that's totally wiping out like 
the colonial history. Mm -hmm. Like there is a history, there's a reason why there are some indigenous that are Matisse and mixed with white because, or European, because we were colonized. Mm -hmm. There's some people that are mixed with African-American because settlers brought African people over here as slaves and they found more commonality in their culture than they sometimes did with the Europeans. So there's all these different scenarios and things that have happened over the last 500 years that we have to educate ourselves yeah. about and that it's okay for them to be in this space. Mm -hmm. You know, so yeah, it sucks. So how do you think, because um, part of this project, what I do want is to educate everyone and understand the different backgrounds that people have and how being mixed in diff to whatever degree that may be, you know, of like, um, what do you think is the best um, approach maybe for people who are very narrow-minded to try and have their mind be a little bit more open? And um, I think it starts with honoring yourself, honoring yourself. And that means really down to the, to the core of your authentic self and who you are. And I think the more as individuals that we're able to do that, then we're able to accept each other as human beings first. Mm -hmm. And then I think when we can kind of come from that place of accepting each other as human beings first, you're not going to ask, I'm not going to say, oh, where are you from? Rebecca, mm -hmm. you know, we're not going to enter into these ignorant spaces mm -hmm. because we understand that we all come from, you know, mm -hmm. somewhere. Yeah. And that there, there is a way to ask or a way to educate ourselves without um, offending or othering mm -hmm. somebody. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, is there like another way or deeper that you'd like me to delve into no, that? No, no, no. I, I just, um, I, I love what you said and <laughs> I agree with you. I think a lot of the um, people who can bring a lot of harmful um, words, you know, it's because they're struggling with finding who they are and, um, yeah, and just kind of want beef or, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, that's at least what I have encountered with, with myself because, um, that's why I like to also start with who are you and like have the person explain who they are because it's such an open-ended question too that it can go it can go different ways and who is best in you know you to introduce who you are absolutely um, but yeah I I think that they're that sharing a little bit um, about different cultures it will help at least people who, who want to learn more about. Yeah. And I think also acknowledging that even people of European descent, that we're all living in a white supremacist patriarchal mm -hmm. society and that we all have our part, whatever that is, mm -hmm. in decolonizing and dismantling and educating ourselves. We all have a part, yeah. no matter where you're from. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Is there anything else? Do you think? <laughs> that was like I'm tired. Oh, so so. Oh, I know. What would what what would you ask? What would you tell a little girl who was you? Like, 
if you could talk to yourself when you were little I had, about this, about being between cultures. I had a student that I identified very, very much with, African-American, I think part... But she didn't look... No, uh-huh, part yeah. indigenous, and yeah. then her mother was European, mm-hmm. and she did not look African-American, mm-hmm. she did not look indigenous, and oftentimes when we'd have conversations around culture in class, you know, and these children are like three, four years old, she would become really quiet she would become really detached. Uh And so what I told her was always be proud of all the things that make up who you are. Mm -hmm. Always be proud of all the things that make up who you are. (laughs) You're giving me the chills. That's true. (laughs) Yeah. That's that's some good, um, good advice. Yeah. And then I did an exercise and this was like, generally I do this in the middle of the year and we can split up into groups and we all put our hands on top of each other Mm -hmm. and we all say, gosh, your skin's so beautiful. It's lighter. And we all notice the differences and how beautiful we all are. And we look into each other's eyes Mm -hmm. and we thank each other for being there. That's beautiful. Um, So one thing that I would ask is if you can sing a song you can choose out of what culture out of your heritage that you would like to sing um i'm trying to it's one of my favorite songs it's a sweat song i don't know if you can share it though so i can i'm trying to actually So the rhythm, I don't know if I can get it without my, my drum or my, my rattle, but the words are So is thank you. Tetskaliboka is the spirit of the smoking mirror is the personification of the the rebel spirit kind of like Tukumse here in North America and Tonantzin is Mother Earth. And so it's like So that's the song and you sing that in rounds. You just do that. Yeah. <laughs> um I just have one question. So you you grew up with um, your families were very similar, like you were yes. saying, but then also very different. Like, did yes. you have different names for like maybe your grandparents on different sides? I or? did. So my grandma Juanita was just abuela. Um, my other grandmother, she um, she was Gammy, and then <laughs> I actually don't remember the word in Abenaki, but she had a name. And then um, my mom's mother, um, she was just grandma. Like my Irish grandmother was pretty much the matriarch. I think she had the strongest influence um, over all us kids for sure. And why, why so? She was kind of a battle axe. She's kind of a battle axe. Like Irish women, 
And same, likewise with Mexican women can be very strong, but she was just really, really strong. Mm -hmm. And so all the, like, we would just all come to her house and she would cook and it was just like, like she kept us all in order. In order. <laughs> yeah. And her name was Roseanne. Her name was Roseanne. Mm -hmm. And so we come from the McCurdy's and the Smith's. So she was Roseanne McCurdy. <laughs> yeah, and then her mother didn't speak any English, and they spoke Gaelic. Ah, okay. Yeah, so I don't remember any of the Gaelic songs, but she mm -hmm. spoke Gaelic, and my mom goes to the Starry Plow, like, when we would live here for her birthdays. What's that? It's like a super Irish bar. Oh, my gosh. We should go sometime. And they have Irish music. They play violin and sing. It's really cool. We can have a, a Guinness. Mm -hmm. Play darts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like well, um, I think that would be the closing, unless you want to share something that you're like, oh, I really want to share this that I haven't mentioned. No, I think I, I covered it. And I think probably just the last thing in particular, because it, people like, oh, you're Native American. Like, we're like lost, I think, or we're almost like thought of or studied as something of the past and so I think to anyone listening or to anyone even thinking about exploring studying indigenous culture um, listen listen first and foremost listen and open yourself up to that story and that dialogue whoever it is that you're interacting with to listen sweet thank you thank you <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't remember how to say thank you and <laughs> Wally Wally. There you go. <laughs> All right.